The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. And looks for salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I'm Mike's teams of Yahoo Sorts, and sitting across from me is not the first female GM in the NHL. But it is the birthday girl, Rachel Dory. How are you doing? She's 25. She is the oldest person on this podcast. It is the day of Rachel. This is fantastic. I'm so glad that you chose to spend your birthday with both me and our glorious listeners. I'm good. I put jeans on today. You know what? You are part of the land of the living today. It's remarkable. I have participated in society. Yes. And we truly do live in a society. If the movie Joker taught me anything. Um... Man, this is a... Uh, and Mike bought me a cake I did. from DQ, and we mm. ate it, and we'll be eating it also after this podcast. For sure, yeah. But I am on a vibe right mm-hmm. now. I am what we like to call on the vibe train. Yeah, we are vibing. Yeah. The vibes are immaculate right now. It is great. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just chilling. You know, it, it's... Uh, this. I think this is... And as I'm learning TikToks. You are. I the, that Taylor Swift TikTok. I'm gonna learn that TikTok tonight. Okay, good. That's, um, I may or may not have had a few drinks before I tried to do that, but mm-hmm. like, we're gonna pick it up tonight, and, okay. and I'm I'm gonna try and learn. I'm excited to see that because as much as you know, as much as you want to resist it, TikTok is pretty much the way of the future when it comes to to content. So I think you got to hop on that. Maybe not to like make them yourselves, but at least be tied into that part of culture because there's so many references I just say in my everyday life that are now from TikTok. Oh, see, so yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, you got to you got to you got to tie yourself in I there. I routinely miss your pop culture references. Yes, that is and it's almost a meme at this point, but like man, TikTok, it's it it's challenging YouTube. Like you, like YouTube viewership is down because of that, but that's not what we're talking about. And that's also not even like the business news that I want to talk about today, but we, we get into that with our lovely guest Sportsnet's Chris Johnson to come on the podcast later. We're going to talk about the crazy, you know, departure of, of Jim Rutherford, what's going on in Leafland, obviously, uh, what the Leafs are going to do with Sandine, with, uh, with, with Lettinen. We Pretty also much, talk about Canucks Twitter being, yes. um, very level headed, rational, yeah. you know, just, just really even keel. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, and and very, we got some tidbits about Sidney Crosby. Yeah. You know, there might, is Sidney Crosby going to be a penguin? I don't know. Is he? Well, guess, we, guess we'll have to find out. That in the biz is what we call a tease. Yeah. See, I don't know how to do that, but you do. Exactly. Because I, I'm I, just, I show up. That's my Oh, yeah. Here. Clearly. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely the star attraction of this podcast for sure. Um, well, Rachel, it's actually, other than your birthday, it's a special day today. It's Bell Let's Talk Day. And I think, I think, you know, we, we've been very upfront with our own struggles about mental health. And I think it's a good idea that we just kind of talk about it and pay some attention towards something that a lot of people are going through. And, you know, maybe, maybe make this a more, a little more accessible, um, topic to talk about in our own way, if we can, cause it's, I mean, we're seeing a lot of great outpouring today and 
this is a this is a campaign that's reaching everywhere and, but and hopefully there's actually like there needs to be action behind it right exactly, like it's cool yeah. to donate and it's cool to take part in it but like to me it's it, the fact that mental illness isn't covered under healthcare is is completely ridiculous to me because um, you could cure a lot of physical ailments that are caused by mental ailments mm -hmm. and so i think that that needs to be taken more seriously i will be candid in saying that this is the first birthday i've had in probably four years where i haven't been somewhat suicidal yeah so for me like it's kind of nice to to do that because I, there were a few uh dark times mm -hmm. um and like i've had my lapses during the pandemic as i'm sure a lot of people have but like just the fact that um we need to take it more seriously and we need to be way less judgmental of people um because you never know what someone's going through and it's a whole lot easier to just be like oh i i broke my leg than um hey i'm dealing with ptsd which i've been open about mm -hmm. um it's not a whole lot of fun. And so I think like some of the stuff I've learned is like, you need to be supportive and, and far less judgmental because you don't know, um, how someone may handle something. Absolutely. Also avoid toxic people and toxic work environments. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously, you know, it's, it, avoid toxicity as much as you can, but look, it's tough and, and it's tough for all, all ages and all genders. But like, I've always tried to be kind of open about it because I ignored dealing with this stuff for forever because you know i played hockey growing up i was raised in a very you know uh you know i'm like i'm irish right like we don't it's not exactly a bastion of anybody from the uk is not yeah. exactly like feelings it's not exactly a bastion of emotional uh, uh unlike know, the germans being you know emotional openness and you know it, it it was to the real detriment of my life like i just wasn't i'm a different person now like the person you're hearing like you could even i'm sure if we if you heard my you know my voice beforehand you know, before I start actually dealing with this opposed to now, like it's, it's different. You're a different person now than when I met you in yeah. 2019. I was just like a pessimistic guy, but also like I was a suicidal guy. I was someone who was dealing with a lot of stuff, my own version of PTSD. Um, you know, my constant anxiety was having daily panic attacks and look, the pandemic has sucked. And yeah, this has probably been the, the toughest like calendar year of my life. I'd say just cause a lot has changed and a lot, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And when you're someone, I've ADHD, I have really, I have really bad ADHD too. And I have, you know, that's, I, uh, that's also something that, you know, a lot of people talk about mental health in just the depression, anxiety sense of it. But there's, you know, there's a lot of different things. People are struggling with OCD and ADHD has been a thing that, you know, it, it ruined a lot of my, my early childhood because I was, you know, the, he's got so much potential, but you know, if only he could put it together. And meanwhile, I had no idea how to put it together. My brain wouldn't let me, um, and you, when you have that, you crave kind of some stability, maybe not structure, but stability. And obviously with the pandemic, everything's going crazy. Um, but yeah, it's really, really important to talk about it. So I've tried to, to be as open as I can, because at least like, at least if I, I'm not, you know, I don't have a huge platform by any means, but if someone out there is like, oh, you know, he's a guy, he's in sports and he's being so open about it. Maybe it's okay if I do, you know, and that's, I guess the hope, but yeah, it's been tough, man. Like it's there, there are a lot of... I, I like to be alone like 99% of my, my life normally, but like now that it's like 99.9% .9 of my life, it, it gets tough. Like there, there are a lot of people. And one thing I want to, one thing I want to really stress too is, is a lot of the campaigns out there. Rachel just said there was a lot of, there's, is, did you get the, the COVID news? 
like the the NHL people being added to the COVID list. Yes. Yeah. We just got breaking news on the podcast that um, Alex Petrangelo has been added to the COVID-19 list. They haven't with, said if he has it or not because the entire Vegas coaching staff yes, is... It's probably contact tracing, Yeah, but it's also Aaron Dell in New Jersey and but Andres... But that's for quarantine. Anastasiu. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying... Um, Back to important things. What we hear a lot about in mental health is like, oh, reach out if you're struggling. Oh, you know, like that, that's what a lot... That's what a lot of these campaigns say. It's like, if you're, if you're not okay, reach out. Like someone will help you But when you're not doing it Like man When I'm really going through it And like Rachel Rachel knows this too Because like You know She she knew me before As like A very incon, You know Inconsistent texter And that's because like When I'm going through it Like I don't want to talk to anybody Like it's you very You, you shut down You close off And It's kind of up to you If you're a friend It's up to you It's up to the other person To go out And try to and, and be the person who initiates that conversation. It's to check in on people. It's not to wait for them to, to give you a cry for help because that's probably never going to come. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, there have yeah. been a lot of times where I was teetering near the brink and, you know, I, I was never, if certain, like, circumstances didn't happen, I was never going to be the one to initiate that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's very important. I think, I think the title of the Sick Not Weak campaign really kind of sums it up. Because especially as a guy, you look at, you know, someone with depression or someone, you know, with these things and, and you being conditioned to look at someone and say, oh, like, you know, you're weak, you're, you're mentally weak. It's a, it's a term that's thrown around in sports a million times, mentally weak, um, which is ridiculous. That's literally derogatory. But you're like, point. it's a sickness. It's an illness, you know, yeah. and like even personally, like, you know, my mom a couple of years ago had a stroke, like a life threatening stroke, something that probably should have killed her. It, in fact, it should have, you know, according to the doctor. And miraculously, you know, I, I was a, you know, she's still alive and I'm able to still have, you know, my relationship with her and everything, but she's never really been the same since. And there've been a lot of times where, where, you know, she's been really down about her, the trajectory of her recovery. We have to go, look, this is the equivalent of you. Like your brain is part of your body. Like if we were talking about this in an, in an, an external injury, like it's the equivalent this is of a chronic yeah, like injury, it's going to affect you the rest of your it's life. It's the equivalent of you like breaking every bone in your body. Like it's it like or you know of having like a spinal injury or something. Like you have to. It, it's it, we need to start looking at it like that. I think that's very important. But yeah. Bell, let's talk, and maybe not just Bell, let's talk, but mental health awareness in general has never been more important than I think it is right now. Yeah, hundred percent. And so what I want to say is, I've been very upfront. I know that I just said you know it's up to the person to reach out, but like if you are struggling. Like, I want you to know, and I think Rachel does as well, that my DMs are open. I will, I will give you the time of day. Like, I care. Like, I will listen. I will, give, like, I, I will respond to you. You are not a bother. If something is going on in your life and you feel somewhat the need to talk to someone, I will be that person for you if you need me to. Like, and it, it, because there's a lot of times in, in life where you're kind of lost at sea and just searching for some sort of some sort of land and a lighthouse kind of shows up in the middle of the middle of the storm. I don't know. My analogies are getting crossed here, but it's a, it's a very, yeah. I just think having a support system is really important and I can be that. And I'm sure Rachel will, will want to be that for you as well. Um, if you need it. So yeah. Do you have anything to say as well on this? No, no? I've, I've discussed my issues yeah. On this podcast, there's also an article written about it. Yes, on The um, Athletic. By Corey Massasak. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, 
it's an important day. It's also a tough day. And, mm-hmm. and let's like, let's not get it twisted. It doesn't just end today. Like no. I'm going to have PTSD tomorrow. I had it yesterday. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't go away. And unfortunately, I mean, I wish it did that. Like I've never actually gone into depth and described why I have PTSD. And I'm still at the point where I don't think I can. Mm-hmm. And me too. so like for me, it's, it's just one of those things where it's an ongoing thing and we need to, the support also needs to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. And with that, and with that we transition and we take the hardest turn we ever have in this podcast. That was a U-turn. Yep. And we go into plot points. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. What's trending up? What's trending down? What's trending, sir? Well, what's trending up is Rachel's time on this planet. Rachel's age. Oh, oh, okay. You are, uh, it's your birthday. Uh, And so do you have any plans? Any big birthday plans? Yes, I'm actually going to a club with no masks. No ventilation. And no ventilation (laughs) and 500 people. Incredible. Yes. And the heat will be turned up so you're all sweating? Yes. And we'll be touching each other. Oh, yeah. and, And breathing on each other. Actually, I'm describing my house. I will be going to my house. Mm-hmm. I will be drinking and dancing and watching hockey mm-hmm. and um, FaceTiming the members of the broadcast yeah. because they are fantastic human beings. And if you don't listen to their podcast, you need to be. Absolutely. I'm a fan of every single one of them. One more than a and lot of others. And if you send them any hate on Twitter, when I tell you, I will mm-hmm. find you. Trust me. I know how to do exactly what the people did to Tony D'Angelo's burner account. I know I can find you. Rachel has a particular set of skills, skills that will make her a nightmare. Well, for I'm not even like going to lie to you. I have parents who are very high up in yeah. IT and sometimes you learn things. 
that is a um that's a promise that is not even a threat it's a promise speaking of you missing my pop culture references that was a taken quote um from the movie that was a quote from the movie taken um there we go on brand also trending up and uh, uh, this will be tomorrow, the officially, is it's uh, Steering Wheels in Rachel's Car. Because if you, and this was before my time on this podcast too, but exactly <laughs> a year ago tomorrow, Rachel um, opened her car door to, to the shock that her steering wheel was missing. My steering wheel is uh, missing, yes. If you hear our, our, our uh, intro, intro, that's, would you like to tell that story? Like, okay, so briefly, I highly recommend you go back and, and listen, listen to, to that the episode saga because yeah. we had like steering wheel updates and Ian's reaction live on the podcast was just, it was fantastic. But when you text me about that, I like dropped my phone. I was like, what? Like you're, so why are steering I wheel? I came back from coaching a game in Waterloo. We drove home myself and one of our other assistant coaches and we pulled up at the uh, sanctioned parking lot mm-hmm. at York where um, there is supposed to be security. And uh, I noticed that my lock had been drilled and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, maybe they took the cash I had sitting in my car. Smart idea. Because I was a dumbass and left cash sitting in my car. Well, um, I'm here to tell you that not only did they not take the cash, I also had a rather expensive bracelet. They didn't take that either. They took my steering wheel. And I have come to find out that they took my steering wheel because... The powder that is in the airbag is sometimes used to cut with certain white drugs. Oh, that's why? Yes. I was I was thinking like it was a black market like auto parts. It could be that too, but I've also found out with like people who work in the industry that that is a huge thing now. People I don't who work associate in the with drug dealers. Industry? I meant the, in like, the car industry. Okay, I was going to say, like, what industry that. are we talking about here? I don't know people who work in <laughs> drugs. Mainly because, and Mike and I joke about this all the time, mm-hmm. I couldn't do drugs if I wanted to no, yeah. because my heart would actually explode. Yeah, Rachel is, you know, she, so, she's on the straight and narrow. So friggin' I call my friend back and I was like so you're never gonna believe this but you need to come back and he's like why I'm like my steering wheel has been stolen and he was like pardon well that's like it's it's the last thing I'm like my steering wheel is gone it's the last thing you'd expect and so then he comes back and we're standing out there like what the hell are we supposed to do and a security guard walks over and he's like um excuse me you can't be loitering here and I'm like where were you when my steering wheel was being stolen where were you when there were like masked assailants running like walk like running out of this parking lot holding a steering wheel (laughs) you didn't think that was a little suspicious (laughs) they just have an entire steering wheel with them but no let's just no no let's let's get mad at the the, god my friend also showed up and he was like you know if you would have done your job in the first place we wouldn't actually have to be having this conversation yeah um and the security guard was like i think you should call the police i'm like thank you for that analysis i've already done done that that." yeah in fact you should have done that because this happened on your property that you're supposed to be overseeing and so then we had to go through insurance and all this stuff and i didn't end up getting my car back for almost three months yeah and it came back with a giant scratch down the side of it so i'm like how the hell did that happen i think like the 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 car gods just don't like you because every week you almost die on your way here in a car accident in a car in a car accident and also your steering wheel got stolen and then when you eventually got your car back after a lengthy delay there was a giant scratch. Okay, I think, but I really can't even complain about getting my car back after a lengthy delay because I got to drive a really nice car ooh. while I was. Okay. So I was like, you just keep it. It's fine. 
That's good. Like they, yeah, I did not have, I was not driving around what they call a shit box. No. Okay. I was driving a nice car. Ooh, like a Lambo? Like what's going on here? It was a fully loaded BMW. Woo! Yeah. Amazing. So I was like, you know what? You want to just keep that? It's fine. Oh, I think, yeah. I think it's, Especially I think it's unsalvageable. German, like, yes, please give me the German car. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's an extra, um, I think it was like an extra $35 or whatever. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Here. You don't want Volkswagen Das Auto? I would have taken that too. Yeah. The Tiguan, so nice. Oh, I was bought one. But yeah, so the steering wheel incident was basically me coming back to my car at 12 o'clock at night and then not getting home until 4 a.m. once they like figured everything out. Because like they had completely, they'd cut all the electrical. So like all my electrical had to re- be redone. Like there was a, there was a decent chunk of time where we actually thought we were going to have to write the car off because of the amount of damage to the electrical system. Yeah, that still like steering wheel there has to be like when you said that sort when you said like and you the, could tell by the way it was done too like it was surgical like they knew yeah what they were doing. like the, these were bandits these weren't thieves these were bandits yeah you have a lock drill like that's just like freaking danny like again another pop culture reference like this is freaking danny ocean with just, with this crew like to pull in a heist on your car like what's going on here this is like steer like just the steering wheel ignoring cash even like ignoring like airbags or rims on your car or anything like that tires how about just the cash sitting like i had a i had just been paid yeah for some hockey stuff in cash so like there was a a good chunk of cash sitting in there and they could have taken that they could have taken like i'm not even afraid to admit it i had a tiffany bracelet in my console damn like they easily could have just made off with that it was more expensive than the airbag i can assure you of that but there was clue i feel like the the steering wheel or the airbag served a certain purpose that's what i was getting to is that like in the clearly clearly this there was a, uh, an intention or a purpose Nonetheless, or it's entertaining. a motive, but it gave you a great story that you can tell yeah. on podcasts for years to come. I remember telling um, the guy I was like talking to mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And uh, he was like, what? Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't believe it when you told me, I was like, wait, what? Like your steering wheel? Like, yeah. I'm and like, I love it. His first concern was like, are you okay though? Like you, it's, yeah. it's like one o'clock in the morning. Like, are, are you okay? It's one o'clock in the morning in like, this was during winter. Yeah. It was January 29th. Yeah. Like I was cold outside and I was, because I had come from a game. Yeah, you're I already cold. for the winter. I was wearing a suit yeah. with a pea coat, not a Canada goose jacket. Mm-hmm. And I was cold. Yes. And wearing dress shoes and getting the, with the lippy security guard. I'm like. I even it's so funny because my friend and I still talk about this. He's like, I don't know how you didn't just absolutely go full send on him. Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I don't know either because it was late. I was tired. I have wanted McDonald's and I had no steering wheel. The like, fact. Yeah. The fact that, that that security guard made it out of there alive is a miracle. Or at least without a good tongue lashing. A miracle and a testament to your self-control. It's come a long way. It's yeah. come a long way. Yeah. It's great. So, all right. Well, we're going to. I say, what do we, should we bring CJ in? Yeah, I would say trending up is the C- Chris Johnson appearances on this podcast, but not before a word from our sponsors. Support for the Staff and Graph podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So Manscaped just launched in the UK. It's huge. They've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first men or women in England to experience They're life-changing products. Now, look, we've all had mishaps before. The human body is nooks and crannies, and it's tough to hit those with precision every once in a while. I've been on the receiving end of 
of some incidences. Let me just say that. You know, I, I was very uneducated growing up in this realm of personal uh, maintenance, I'd say. So there have been times where, you know, you walk away with some cuts and bruises. But Manscaped, no. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents. And when I tell you this is premium, folks, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. They also have waterproof technology, which allows you to do in the shower. I mean, look, personally, that's where I do it. It's fantastic. And one of the coolest features. Now this touches my heart personally. LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. This thing's got an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with quiet technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You show off your motor loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off promo code staffgraph, free shipping. Well, coming on the show is uh, Sportsnet's Chris Johnston, who uh, I, I'm assuming just came from selling all his GameStop stock uh, before he jumped on the show here. He's, he's a rich man and... We thank you for, for taking the time to talk to us uh, now that you've made approximately, what, $12 billion in the last hour or so? Yeah, I wish I had a gut in on this whole GameStop thing, but uh, I admire <laughs> the I admire the spirit behind it. I'll put it that way. I'm very, I'm yes. actually, I, I, I don't follow the, the, what we might call the business news too closely generally, but mm-hmm. th- this one I'm very interested to see the fallout from. I've been told that it's because everyone's like, we need to explain. We need to have this explained to us like we're five years old because I have no idea. I don't even know what the NASDAQ is. It's ridiculous. And people are saying it's basically the John Scott all-star voting, but in the stock market. And I'm like, OK, it makes sense. You know, that that's a good explanation, a sum up of it. It's fair. But what's interesting is like, OK, we can all have some fun at the NHL's expense or lots of fans did back mm-hmm. with the John Scott thing. I mean, to take on Wall Street and to kind of rattle some real cages, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like to get that kind of movement together, I, I'm impressed. And, and honestly, let's face it, we live in strange times, but it feels like some revolution is kind of afoot a little bit. I don't know where this goes, but um, there's a lot of people that are willing to get together and do things like this. Who knows what's next? Yeah, I just uh, I love that. It's like if the big hedge funds want to do it, because that's what a hedge fund does. Essentially, they mm-hmm. short stocks and and take money away from the little guy. I just love that when the little guys started to do it, everyone went, oh my goodness, no, we need legislation. This can't happen. I'm like, oh, so you were fine when your company was allowed to do it. But when other people started doing it, it was no longer acceptable. Got it. History's written by the winners. No matter matter what happens, I think we can all agree that just like the John Scott situation, this is Jeff Merrick's fault, right? We can all agree on that. And Greg Wyshynski? Yeah, I bet that Jeff Merrick is on that Reddit account, the Wall Street Bets account. I'm on that Reddit account. Yeah, Rachel's (laughs) Rachel's bought in. But you didn't come on the BNN podcast, you know. Thank God, because I didn't have much else. (laughs) (laughs) Scraping the bottom of the barrel on that. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, so, stocks. Um, The meme, stocks. Anyway. The biggest news that's come out, and it's not the it's not the PLD trade. It's not you know Patrick Laine not wearing the same uniform. It's Jim Rutherford, out of nowhere yesterday, which is we're recording this on. It is Thursday today, right? Yes. Time is a construct, right? So yeah, Thursday. So yeah, on Wednesday, resigning out of the blue. Um, there's not a ton that's really known about this. There was a great article in the Athletic that really kind of broke it down, but it was still relatively vague on it. Do you have any insight on that? What are your first of all? Give us your thoughts, I guess, because this is uh, you know kind of a bombshell. And as well, uh, yeah, let me know. Let us know what you have, what you've seen so far, what you know. 
Well, it's a bit of a strange one. You know, I, I do know that Jim Rutherford engaged this week in some low-level trade talks with, you know, some of his contemporaries. So, you know, which Ooh. again is ordinary course business for someone in mm. his job. I'm, I'm not suggesting he was about to make a trade, but, you know, the fact he was doing ordinary course business on Monday, Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, you know, this news comes down, you know, it's it's sort of hard to make sense of without having the full picture of what's going on here. But, you know, I think if we zoom out a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if we had said this is Jim Rutherford's last year in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I think it's clear that, that, first of all, where he's at in his life, he's 71. You know, not a lot of GMs get deep into their 70s uh, for obvious reasons. It's a very demanding job, and he's done it for a long time. And Pittsburgh, I think, is on a verge at some point here in the near future of, of rebuilding completely and having to make hard decisions. And so th- this split I could have seen happening. It's just – I wouldn't have predicted it was coming down on January 27, 2021. And in fact, when I saw it on my phone, I mean, there's no hint of this anywhere. I didn't hear a whisper. I didn't see anyone sort of low key hinting at this in media. Uh, and again, other GMs had no clue who had been speaking to him as recently as a day before this all came down. So, you know, I don't really know what's gone on other than what he said publicly. Um, but, you know, it, it does lead me to believe there might be more than meets the eye. I, I just wish I could fill in more of those details for you guys. Yeah, and I think I, I read, um, and obviously the dangers of Twitter, I mean, it's quite something. But I, Latang has been kind of in trade talks. He's obviously part of the core. Malkin's up next summer. Um, obviously, if, if you're the CEO, or if you're Mario, um, you're worried about butts and seats and, and recuperating money. Um, could there potentially have been a disagreement on, on what to do with some of the core? Because like you said, they're kind of on the verge of a pretty big rebuild. So if, if they've got differing opinions on how to handle key members of their core, is that something that historically has led to kind of general managers and owners being at odds or is, is there not really anything there? No, I think that there's at least the possibility of something there, you know, like, as I say, I think that the breakup or whatever the separation point was coming in the pretty near future as it was. And so, you know, I don't know if there was a triggering event like that that made it happen now, but I, I don't think it's outlandish. I mean, look, the, the Penguins, the Penguins are at a fascinating spot. I mean, much like the Blackhawks in a lot of ways, we're watching sort of, I don't know if you want to anoint them dynasties or whatever, but the, but the most successful teams of, you know, the, the salary cap era to this point are in the process of kind of falling apart or having to make hard decisions on their core players. And, and so I, I think that that is a difficult time because, you know, it was really easy to have a shared vision for these last seven years. If there's one thing I loved about Jim Rutherford is that it was so clear that he did not care about tomorrow. Any, uh, every single day of those seven years, he managed his team, you know, just cause it's a fascinating exercise. It's, it's not one that I can, I don't think it's really happened anywhere else. I mean, there's certainly other teams that were trying to win, but but they mortgaged the future to an insane degree, but they also had two generational centers, the odds of which they get players that good at the same time in their primes at the same time in the future. We're just going on statistics. It's, it's, it's huge. You could play another 70 NHL seasons and Pittsburgh might not line up the moon and the stars the way they did with Crosby Malkin in their primes. And so I, I would suggest – you know, while I understand why Penguins fans probably don't like a lot of what's gone on there, some of the, the blue line additions and subtractions and all this, you know, they did put two more banners in the Raptors that might not have done without that approach. So this is a guy who's been managing for the minute, every minute on the job. And all of a sudden now, I do think they have to be looking 
a little bit deeper into the future and it's, it's not going to be a pleasant future. I mean, it's, it's does Evgeny Malkin play for another NHL team? Uh, I'm sure there's a management version of how that should look and an ownership version. And I don't think it's crazy to think that there might be a divergence of opinion there. I mean, he's going to get a statue outside the stadium one way or another one day, but you know, how that ends is he Joe Montana. And, and I'm, that's a reference from before your guys' time, but is he, oh, I get it. Don't worry. I was going to say Joe Montana ending this season as a Kansas city chief that no one remembers, you know, a great legendary player for your franchise, or is he going to be, you know, Steve Eisenman being a career long Red Wing. Uh, I don't have the answer to that even for Crosby, you know, I've sort of dug around in this, not related to the Jim Rutherford thing at all. Like just sort of like the pie in the sky, is city Crosby, a player that will ever play a game for another team. And there's like some really strong opinions out there of people who think he will really not because he wants just, they think he's the kind of guy who would want to do that, you know, because especially if let's say two years from now, he's still a relevant player, he's still productive. And if Pittsburgh's clearly in a spot where they can't win, you know, what, what do you do in that case? I mean, I, I don't even know if Sydney knows the answer to that, but for me, it's one of those great what ifs uh, because, you know, he's, he's still to me could play for another long time, but if he does that, he's going to be doing it if he's, you know, one franchise guy. So I'm shifting the conversation on you and it's not on purpose. No, I'm just in a very fascinating direction. I'm going, I'm going down the rabbit hole, you know what I mean? But I'm just wondering if this is the start of like the breaking apart of the Penguins in, in, in some fashion. Well, I think you brought it up in that, like, Malkin, I think it's fair to say that 87, 71, 58, and potentially 29 are, are going to end up in the rafters someday. Right, it's it's pretty hard to not retire the numbers of guys who won you. I don't think even potentially three cups. Well, 29. at least Crosby Malkin. Twenty nine's right? it up there for sure. Flurry, Flurry's there in that city. Yeah, come yeah, on. okay, perfect. I love Flurry yeah. too. I think he's fantastic. Who doesn't? But so let's say we get to that point where obviously guys are going to age. I think I'm with you. I think Crosby can play probably at least another five legitimate top line center years, um, but. How does that look for Pittsburgh down the road? What are you going to surround him with to keep him happy? Or do you say, listen, we are going to retire your number, but we've, we've got to let you walk in the same way that New Jersey kind of did with Marty Broder, which still to me is so odd. See, this is how I think it's going to go. I don't think there's any way Pittsburgh will want him anywhere else. Even if, even if it's just a wreckage, just like old slap on veterans and you're accumulating picks and, and you know, I still think they're, he's going to be welcome there as forever, as long as he wants to be there. It's going to become a question. I think Patrick Kane's going to have this question at some point in Chicago. Like, are you willing to endure this in what are potentially your last few seasons uh, just to be a, a, you know, you're a franchise icon or do you want to move on? You know, like it's going to be led by the player, I think in this, in this case. And that's why I personally, and I, you know, I don't have great insight here. I, I have trouble imagining Crosby playing somewhere else. I just think he's, so loyal to Pittsburgh. I mean, if it's my opinion, I think he's a lifelong penguin in one way, shape or form, but there are people out there that would have some insight to think he's the kind of guy, if it, you know, if it's clear they're going to finish last and he still feels like he can play that he, he's going to want to go on somewhere. So, you know, I, I don't fault players either way. I mean, these careers are still so short. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm feeling old. It's your birthday, Rachel. You're, you're, <laughs> you're getting up there now. No, but even just imagining that Crosby's career is sort of in a position where we can talk about it winding down at some point that that ages me. Cause I, I remember so much of his, you know, ascent into the league and what he's done. So, you know, it, it's just, it's a, I think it's a hard time for these organizations when they get to this point 
when it's not clear what the future is, like how long do you keep chasing it? I mean, the Penguins have, have anything that wasn't strapped down prospect or pick wise, they basically traded out of town in the last seven years and 10 years, 15 years, even Ray Sherrill's time. So, um, you know, that's going to have to start, you know, it's going to stop now, I would think. And let's be real. I mean, like before, like before this, this bombshell came down the other day, like the Penguins were not a good team. They made a lot of really questionable choices in the offseason, a lot of really questionable choices in seasons before. And we all know, yeah, that's Jim Rutherford trying to, you know, keep the, I guess, sort of keep the core together and, and keep them surrounded by, you know, actual assets and, you know, try to elongate their, their contention window. But this is a very slapped together kind of team with a lot of holes in it. So like rebuilds don't last these five years like they used to anymore. Like Ottawa's already on the trajectory and they were a tire fire two years ago. Is there a chance that, you know, they, they do hire like some new cutting edge guy who or cutting edge hockey person who comes in there? Cause I'm a big proponent of hire Rachel Dory. Um, doesn't have to be a hockey man. Then what happens to the podcast? It'll just be the Mike Stevens show. It's going to be all Star Wars. And, it's going to be uh, bad for business for you, Mike. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be tough. I am not the star attraction here. Let's be clear on that. Um, no, but is there is there a chance that, you know, now that there's maybe some clarity in, in that front office, there could be a quick turnaround. There could be a way that they can maybe reboot, like not rebuild, but reboot, essentially. So like, what if they got Hextall or Drury? Because I'm of the yeah. mindset, I looked at the list that Sportsnet had up last night during it was, it was um, rough. one of the games. and. And I noticed that three of the five men on that list, we're going to leave Dale Talon out, um, have experience in Pittsburgh. Tom Fitzgerald is the former AGM there. Um, there were a few others that, that also have experience in Pittsburgh. But bringing in somebody like Hextall, who built up a fantastic future in Philadelphia and then things went sideways and, and he was kind of shown the door, or somebody like Chris Drury, um, would that be something that Pittsburgh considers? Or are we kind of expecting um, a member of the old guard experienced Peter Shirelli ilk to be um, hired here. I'm not expecting personally an old guard myself. Um, you know, and, and to be clear, sorry, my wife's giving me some tea here, which is much appreciated. <laughs> spill, um, you can spill the tea. To, to be clear, I wasn't at work last night, so I don't know if that list, like, I don't know if that was presented as here's Brian Burke's ideas or if there's reporting there, you know, like, I'm not sure who they've talked to and I wasn't part of that. So I'm not saying they're wrong. My sense of things is that they're going to keep it pretty small, the group that they interview, and that I think they're open to some new ideas. And, and you know, look, I'm not saying this is going to be like break down the, the through the glass ceiling or anything like this, unfortunately, necessarily. But I, I don't think that you're going to get someone who's going to be viewed as a dinosaur. Just, just my opinion um, from what I've heard. And so, that's the hope. I think that's that's what you go for. I mean, that's sort of what Chicago had been aiming for, and maybe they'll still pull it off. Who knows? They got kind of some in between prospects. Kane's still productive. You know, obviously Jonathan Taves has had a setback in his career and his life. So, you know, I think the hope, the ideal, is that those guys could be like the old guys on the next team, ready to win. That's that's the that's the the, the perfect thing. But it's I just think it's hard to to do that, um, especially because they're still trying to win this year, right? I mean, it feels like every time I turn on a Penguins game, they're down two or three nothing and they seem to win it. But um, it just feels like a bit of a high wire act at this point, you know? Have you done any digging on that? Do you know, do you have any maybe specifics or like any names that have come up from maybe just looking around? Well, I know one name that I think we're going to hear there is Kevin Weeks, actually. I would love um, that. Who obviously <laughs> interviewed in Florida and Arizona. You know, I'm not saying he's getting the job, but I think that he's a natural um, – 
you know, again, I think they're looking for different perspectives and understanding that, that things are changing and that they're going to need a different approach. You know, I think Jim Rutherford in hindsight was the perfect guy for the team at the time when they hired him. I think that that marriage was, was brilliant. And I know that again, we could, we could fill three screens here with the moves we didn't like, but he did make some pretty damn good moves. And, and honestly, what I loved about Jim Rutherford just as a, as an operating position is he would get a player that you're like, Oh, what is he doing? And then he would still somehow trade that player. Like, it's almost like, oh, yeah. I wish there was more of that spirit, frankly, in the NHL, because we see it a little bit more in the NBA, in my opinion, that like you can sort of trade your way in and out of trouble in that league. And, and in the NHL, it just feels like there's so much caution. Everyone's afraid to make the mistakes. So and yet you had this one guy who just was like, if you've been with like a friend who just keeps like hitting on 16 or 17 and, you know, just trying to really hit it in, in blackjack, um, I kind of admire that spirit. Anyway, I think that they're going to go with a different approach. I think it'll be someone younger and someone without maybe what we would call like the the very specific traditional background. This is great. I mean, it's the thing about Jim Rutherford is that first of all, he was so much fun to write about like his moves. He always did everything. And I would say that this is probably the week you mentioned the NBA. And I think it's a great comparison because this, this week, or I guess like starting from Saturday when the PLD trade for PLD for line, trade went down. This is the closest the NHL to me has felt to the NBA in years. Like we are seeing, we're seeing like superstars force their way out of town. We're seeing mutinies like, or like not mutinies, but we're seeing like a lot of, and like forced away out of town because of like backdoor dealings, like backstage drama, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, there's, and then, and then we have like a high up executive on a, on a, you know, a dynasty team just jump ship a month into the season. Like this is, this has been really, really entertaining. I, it like before we transition into another team that's kind of on the downspin, like what, what is your sense of why these things are, why this season is the most maybe entertaining from that point of view so far? Maybe it's all tied to GameStop and pandemics and like, it, like I'm being half joking and half like, you know, maybe there's something in the universe right now. You know, I think, look at it. I can't imagine there's anyone out there that's listening to this I'm sure the three of us, even though we've had not this specific discussion together, that doesn't look at their life a little differently today than they did last March and, and their circumstances and maybe where they put their energy, what they think is important, whatever it is. I think we've all had a, it's, some, it's like a snow globe. We've all picked up our life and we're seeing it from a different angle. And I would suggest that, that there's fallouts from that. And so, you know, we're, maybe what we're looking around for some really deep controversy with Jim Rutherford, it's more we're just talking about a 71 year old man who's, you know, maybe just realized that he couldn't fix this anymore, that the time was up and that he wants to spend more time with his kids. You know, I, I don't have the answer, but it, to me, that's not a crazy possibility either. You know, I think with Pierre-Luc Dubois, there, there's some, there's clearly some element of that theory. I haven't heard it specifically articulated by anyone on or off the record, but it's clear when they had contract talks, he could have signed an eight-year deal with Columbus. And when he was sort of going through that mental exercise, you know, you know this is a huge, it would be a huge amount of money, safe to say that, do I want that commitment? And he, he couldn't, you know, I think that opened up something in his mind about whether he wanted to stay there or not. And I, I don't know the exact reasons. And let's face it, it's probably a whole multitude of things that ultimately said, you know what, not only do I not want to be here for eight years, I'm not sure I want to be here. Um, Cause I, I actually believe that's what happened. I don't think it's just money or just the coach or just the teammates or whatever is sort of circulating there in the rumor mill. I think it's a combination of that. And so I think it's a bit the time. And honestly, I hope young players continue to flex their muscle. And I know it, it, it makes life difficult for the front offices. 
but careers are short. You know, I and, and when you're young, you, you feel like you have forever. And then you get to Rachel's age and you're like, oh man, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, pretty much. That's really getting I'm up now. there. Okay, but I can say that because you're a baby, Rachel. I love it. Yeah, I'm just a small, uh, someone actually, I got ID'd at the liquor store yesterday and I was like, oh, thank you. That's a badge of honor right exactly. there. You need to hold on to that. Um, yeah. But okay, so speaking of time up, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone on Canucks Twitter is extremely sane and isn't overreacting to anything. I love Very them. rational. Very oh rational group. Canucks Twitter is incredible. I'm not joking. It's, um, it's one of the only things that keeps me on Twitter. It's a reality it's show. It's the, ba- it's the Bachelor, but like mo- better. Like so without all the pomp I'm and circumstance. It's great. I'm sure that there are members of um, front office t- like of not just Vancouver, but like multiple front office teams that have like burner egg accounts that they not only track from, but also tweet ridiculous shit from. And so I just think watching the meltdown in Vancouver is, is something, but like what is happening there? Because they lost Markstrom and Tanev and it's been written about that that has had an impact on Hughes and Pedersen. Then we've got EP changing his agents, and no one ever changes their agent in a contract year if everything is going rosy and, and smooth. Um, and then, like, it was kind of discussed this summer, or I guess off-season, whatever. You know what I meant. Um, that the Canucks weren't allowed to spend money and that Aquilini had kind of taken the purse strings away from from Jim Benning. So, like, basically, what is happening there? Because it seems like it's on fire. It, it is. And the one thing I'm a little confused about, and, and I'm not speaking to Canucks Twitter now, look, like fans should be emotional and, and you don't always see things, but like, I don't know who expected this team to be like a Stanley cup contender. Like that, that like that, that's Benning, the, clearly. Okay. And, and maybe he has to say that publicly. I get it. Like it, look, yeah. but like their team objectively lost players that were very helpful. Like Jacob Markstrom's numbers, the traditional ones or the, less traditional publicly available ones are all very strong about his impact on their team last year. Like I think he was fourth in Vesna voting, like the GMs noticed too. It wasn't just, you know, there's not some voodoo here. He, he covered up a lot of problems. You know, they've had consistent problems, in my opinion, with their bottom six and, and certainly overpaying players that didn't go away. You know, there wasn't a magical way to erase mm-hmm. some of those contracts and, you know, they weren't able to keep Chris Tanev so I, I'm not sure, like, obviously they had a good run in the bubble and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I love their stars, but I just didn't see them as like an automatic top tier team as it was. And I think they had a tough off season. So I expected them to struggle a little bit or for it not to just be like straight to the top of the division. So that's, that's kind of my confusion. Like they start off a little slow out of the gates and like, everyone's like, fire this guy. Like why, if they thought that then, to me, you should have thought that three weeks ago too, because I don't think the results are that big a su- surprise. And look, they 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 beat Ottawa twice as we're talking now. They got a third straight game against Ottawa. I mean, maybe they'll climb back here, but I just think it's going to be a roller coaster for that team because I just don't think they're they're so superior, and they're just not deep enough. Let's call it as it is. Like Pedersen had a slow start to the year. I, I have no concerns about him, big picture. But if he's not getting it done, if Hughes isn't getting it done, if they're not getting saves, like like who on the they just don't have enough. They let the Foley walk. They they're just not a deep enough team. To keep Jake Vertanen no less. Well like you you could have had Tyler Tofoley instead of Jake Vertanen, and I'm sure that 
everyone in Vancouver was absolutely thrilled with the five gate five goals in 24 hour performance that he put on like I feel like does that that was insane of, actually uh, that was that was the pettiest moment in, in recent NHL history that's incredible and he missed like another like near sure goal too like it yeah. was just it was just like <laughs> raining goals from Toffoli I think the smartest money I bet this entire hockey season so far was Tyler Toffoli to score multiple goals in each game against the Canucks. Cause like you bet I that? hit it the first game, I hit it the second game, and then I didn't get it the third game. But like the odds were like plus fifteen hundred. Like it, they were astronomical. And I was like, um, do these betting people know what the situation is? Because anytime like a former Leaf comes and plays the Leafs, I always tell my friends, I'm like, bet on them to score. It's gonna happen. And it was just kind of one of those things where just driving the dagger right into the hearts of Canucks fans who all kind of in unison seem to go, well, we told you. I love your story there. Like you, you sort of make the Toffoli bet sound smart. Like you had this reasoning and then with like the leaf one, you're just like, well, this is just a cosmic thing. So you just have to bet that. <laughs> as, as Dangle, I think Dangle says it, it's voodoo, wizardry and bullshit. Right. Is the Leafs. Basically what we're talking about here is Rachel is Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems. Like this is, no this way. is how she wins. I mean, did you expect anything else? She invested in GameStop. Come on. Um, but when you look did at the Did she concept, actually? Yeah, you did. Like, you okay, legit, not, right? Um, like, I pulled out now, but yeah, I have, I have vested interest in GameStop, AMC, and Nokia. She's now. toppling <laughs> the uh, United States economy. That's what she's doing. It's great. But so, like, when you look at like, the Canucks, Bitcoin, Rachel, like, come on. Oh, I'm yeah. in Bitcoin as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had we had Dom on uh, two weeks ago, and he was basically lecturing us after the show that we I all get in on Bitcoin. I'm not a degenerate, though. No, like, I, I are you kidding? I'm a big believer. I'm right down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So, okay, yeah, I got to so, do that too. Okay, so speaking of betting, like, if you were a betting man... Are we doing this now? Are we, are we on the betting, yes, betting segment? Betting. Oh, let's if do it, all right. Man, so everyone knows, it's like not a secret, that Quinn Hughes is a 10.2C, oh, okay. right? He can't sign an offer sheet. And I remember in New Jersey, we Pavel Zaka had this situation. It's called a black hole ELC, essentially, because you can't do anything, you have no rights. Yeah, Johnny Goodrow had it too, and he went right to the day of the season before he signed. Exactly. So does... Pedersen going with Hughes's agent kind of up Hughes's leverage a bit because they're represented by the same guy and it's kind of like a group thing. Because I also know that John Weisbrod is Quinn Hughes's godfather, and so it like does that does Pedersen changing agents and then being represented by the same agent does that change negotiations at all? Like what what are we expecting here? I think it does because look, the same agent has done this before, like. Paperson and CAA had Kane uh, and Taves and they did matching deals and they had both Crosby and Malkin and their, their, their years were off by one. So they weren't doing it at the same time, but I think they have some experience in navigating this situation. It's not to say that players will sign the exact same deal. I think that obviously different players have different needs. You know, some, some enter that second contract and absolutely want security seven, eight years, whatever they can get. Some are more comfortable going short term and taking another bite at the apple. You know, I think there's different philosophies there, but I, I, I'm sure in some ways it makes it easier for the Canucks. Honestly, strangely as that might sound, it's just it's just one less variable at play, right? Um, and you know, I I mat- look the fact that Papperson has done this so much, that he's represented so many top players. I you know, I'm sure he's figured out how to do this, but I'm just trying to think of yourself in that shoe, like. How do you, if you have a conversation on one, I mean, with the Canucks specifically, the, 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 it will all be tied together in some way, shape, or form. So I think it, it increases the odds, frankly, that this gets done without, it, you know, 
too much drama. Um, also another hallmark, I, I would say, of CAA, you know, they haven't had a lot of clients get to a point where they're even in a position to be walking, you know, to, to not be there for Kate training camp or all that. They, they're just, they tend to be an agency that gets it done a little bit with, with fewer bumps along the way. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think there's any secret that Canucks know how good these guys are. So, I, you know, it's not, not a knock at all on Pedersen's formal agent, Michael Deutsch. I, you know, it's, it's not that he couldn't have done the job, but I do think that if you're looking at the impact of this move, it's probably going to make it easier for everybody. So if I'm a young, like, let's say, you know, I'm working at a, at, at a law firm or something. I'm a young whippersnapper. My contract's coming up. I'm, you know, and, and I'm thinking of, okay, I'm, you know, perusing the field. I'm looking at all the different firms, you know, there might be some openings. And then, but I'm like, okay, you know, in this industry, usually you sign back with your original firm. They believed in me, you know, whatever. And then I see all of this talent, all of these talented brokers just walk out the door for seemingly, and for seemingly avoidable reasons. Like, you know, the, the hotshot day trader, Tyler Toffoli and, you know, the, the, the hotshot uh, litigator, um, Chris Tanev and, and what was Jacob you know, Markstrom the, in this imagination the name partner Jacob Markstrom. yeah name partner like uh yeah he's the Harvey Specter of it all like you know if we're doing suits reference there like you're seeing he's all about as attractive as Harvey Specter so I and that's that's saying something um he's a he's a handsome man but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um you, you look at all that talent just walk out the door and you go like why would I hitch my wagon to this like what like you're we you were mentioning as well like that everyone's kind of looking at their lives a lot differently now and that's very true and then you look at a guy like Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes can't do much about it, but Elias Pettersson specifically, he's like, this is, this is his future. You know, he's only got so many years in this, in this career. He's only got so many years at his actual prime and he's a very, he's a fantastic player. He, he's worth a lot of money. And then you look at, and you see the, you know, the firm that you want to resign, they're letting all of their best, the best, uh, I guess partners or assets or whatever walk out the door and for and the thing was for avoidable reasons too they could have dumped a uh, uh, Vertanen and and re-signed to Foley but they didn't they chose you know Markstrom I, I guess but you know uh, I think it, there was a, some big sort of confusion with Tanev for largely avoidable reasons how do you think that would factor into this decision like do you now there's we have player empowerment that should be an onus on him to kind of be like okay maybe I should look at some options in front of me well, your point is well made here, but honestly, it's Vancouver, man. Like, would you leave? I know, but like, like, what a place to live. I, I live in Toronto, live in so it's it's different. Like, I I love living in Toronto, so it, I I think if I lived in Columbus, maybe then I you know it would be a different answer to that. Columbus is low key kind of cool, man. I've I've heard nothing but good things. Steve keeps Steve Dangle keeps talking about how that was the best All Star game he ever went. I'm not, to, so. I'm not even sucking up or anything. Like, it's got like a good restaurant scene, good bar scene, and, and you know, in, in the day and age when you can do all those things. And what are those manage? You're saying, I know. you're saying these words. I just don't understand. Is it English <laughs> bars, restaurants? What? Right. But I, I always like going to Columbus, but I will say on Pedersen and, and Hughes, look, they get to play together. I think they've seen how great that city can be when they're winning and when the things are on the rise. And so, yes, management's going to have to have some discussions as part of their contracts about like what the plan is, but they also do have money coming off the books in the pretty near future here. So to me, the way I look at that is I'd be stunned if either of those guys wanted to leave. I just think it's a great situation being there together. You know, now let's fast forward five years. And if things aren't looking good, if it's been a tough five years, that's a different conversation. That's sort of like Jack Eichel, you know, territory, like, you know, how long is too long before, you know, the team builds the right team around you. But I still think these guys are in a little bit of the honeymoon phase and look, they're good enough as we've seen to, to carry the team and in, in some nights on their own, I think free agents are going to want to go play with them, frankly. And so, 
yeah, it's not the best time, but you're seeing the old guys leave and you're the young whippersnapper, as you mentioned, like it's, it's more how the next five years go, I think, than the first three, I, you know, I'd be stunned if either of them was even, in, you know, all that inclined to leave at this point. You're going to be very popular in Canucks Twitter for that, I guess, because they, they love to eat their own and you seem, you seem very high on Vancouver, which is great. Well, I just, come on for me. Like I always think of this, I don't know why I don't have the, the talent. I'm far too old now, but I always think like, if I was a player, you know, I've been, I've traveled the whole league. I've been all the buildings. I have a feel for what I, Vancouver for me would be one of the top places I'd want to play. Yeah. Mountains are pretty cool. Let's be real. Like they're, they're pretty rad, but of course, you know, enough talking about Vancouver. This is let's get, let's get to the team that pays the bills. Keeps the lights on here. Come on. The, the, the real center of the universe. Ottawa. Oh yeah. The, the yeah, Ottawa doing Senators. A fantastic job of having lights on and, and paying <laughs> people on time and, and all of that. My brother-in-law is a season ticket holder. Oh man. Well, That's our hearts go out. Heart, and yeah. my five-year-old nephew is like, he's in love with Timothy Schutzla, which is great. He's got something to be excited about, but like, my God, I'm like, that's almost, that's difficult. Alex, can you? I would, I would like to point out that CJ is the first non-German man to pronounce that 100% correctly. So we, we love that. I know, I know um, my audience here. <laughs> he okay. knows he can't come on here and say Stutzla. Because that's just not going to cut it. <laughs> oh God, that's even. Eugene yeah. will just blog about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. So, uh, okay. The Leafs. A couple things, just because I know like you're kind of really plugged in here. Um, mm-hmm. The general temperature, especially now, like with Jack Campbell out, there was definitely, it seemed like there was a plan to get Freddie Anderson a lot more rest this season just because of the condensed schedule. With Jack Campbell out and Aaron Dell at my former uh, employer, um, what is the plan? How has that changed? Because I feel like the Leafs aren't as confident running Michael Hutchinson out there as they would if it was Campbell or Arundel, That's a, a fair statement all around. I mean, look, Michael Hutchinson was signed to be their number four, four goaltender. You know, that's, he was the fourth one in the door of those guys. And, and that was the, the slot they saw for him. You know, I think that they're comfortable enough to play him if they have to, but I don't think they're going to be looking for going out of their way to looking for opportunities to get him in too often would probably be the nice way to put it. You know, one thing I think Toronto has prioritized to start this year, like, really intensely is to to get off to a good start and to get points in the bank, which sounds sort of obvious, but I'll give you an example when it maybe wasn't so obvious. You know, Austin Matthews missed last Friday's game against Edmonton with a, a minor injury. He didn't skate from Wednesday basically till Sunday when they went to Calgary. He, he did it like a light skate on Sunday. Like to me, normally this early in the season, just out of precaution, you give him the Sunday game off. And not only did he not get that game off, he played nearly 22 minutes. Like I think that they are – and, and, and I'm not saying that's irresponsible. I just think normally teams tiptoe into the season a bit more. You want to be careful. You, you're, you're thinking it's a long year. You got to keep the guys. Like, I think they're putting the pedal down to start the year. If you look at Marner's minutes, even Matthew's minutes, I know the last game in Calgary that they, they saw a decrease. But, you know, I think they've really prioritized getting ahead of the competition, which kind of makes sense. All the results are binary, right? You know, the points you don't get are going to someone that is literally going to decide whether where your positioning is. And so, you know, I think if they continue on a hot run, that's a long way of saying if they have a really hot start, even more than six and two where they are, as we're talking now, I think there's going to be more opportunity to see minutes balanced and, you know, different bottom six maybe, or, or more players worked in on the blue line. And, and then, you know, I could see Michael Hutchinson getting more games that way, but if they kind of go along here, you know, win one, lose on win one, lose one, I, I think Freddie's going to start 
assuming he's healthy, all the games, essentially. Uh, they don't have another back-to-back until February 17th and 18th against Ottawa. And, you know, if he starts every other day, that's basically the, the load he's had the last four years. And so, yes, this definitely wasn't the plan. I mean, Jack Campbell looked good in his two starts he made and was, was good in his brief time in Toronto last season. If that had been the case, I think Freddie would have had more nights off. But, you know, the, the plan today isn't always the plan tomorrow. And so now I think they're – they're looking at a, a big run of Anderson games. And, and again, more importantly, if they keep winning, I, I think they'll, they'll do sort of some of the load management stuff later in the season and at, at all three positions. It's a throwback to the Babcock year. Freddie playing every night. Look at that. Well, I mean, it's exactly when you they, get had, back they had a lot of success. They just didn't have the ultimate success. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I guess speaking of those years too, like they're especially last season, I know you, you covered them like actually on the beat, you know, I was more of like, I covered them a little bit more removed, but I think it was pretty clear to see that there was, there was a bit of a cultural problem there. And I know that's, that's a word to maybe throw around. Uh, you know, it, it's very cliche, but it did look like they, they had rook- or not rookies, but young players over sleeping noon practices, the body language on the bench w- was tough when you gave up a goal, stuff like that this seems like a more just solid team mentally. And I know that's, a ve- again, it's a very sort of abstract thing to, to parse through, you know, uh, uh, you know, talk about demeanor and all that kind of stuff. But this does seem like a team that is a lot stronger in its own, like at least stronger on its own feet. And that comes from the additions of Wayne Simmons and maybe Joe Thornton. Do you, do you see that? Like, how do you, how do you think those new additions have helped? I guess, obviously on the ice, we've seen it, but how do you think they've helped behind the scenes? What's your, what's your take on that? I think it's been huge. You know, even that they could be here, Joe came a little bit later cause he was playing in Switzerland, but you know, even Zach Bogosian got here pretty early. Like, like they've been around the team for a month to two months, all these new guys, um, you know, even before training camp happened. You know, there was a strain under Babcock. I don't think it's a, a mystery, but certainly by the end, um, you know, it, it started to change. Like like Sheldon Keefe came in midseason as Mr. Nice Guy, and he's sort of since said, I felt like everyone was so beaten down, he almost had to allow them to feel happy again and <laughs> sense joy and get to play with the guy they, that they'd never been played with. You know, like Marner and Matthews basically never really got to play together with Babcock. Just try new things. Yeah, and just, and just try to, like, have some happiness come into it. Now – I, I'm right with you, Mike. Like I, there's a definite, there's a, a noticeable different attitude. And I think it's a combination of those young guys. Okay. It's like, it's getting to put up or shut up time, honestly, not, not to come at us with the hot takes here. I'm not saying they'll be traded out of town tomorrow, but like, you know, it's getting early late here uh, or late early. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you add those, those other guys, you know, and, and I do like Joe Thornton is one of a kind. And so I, I just think they've got a good mojo going. I, I actually kind of wonder too, not to inject the media into this because I hate when the media does this and I'm about to do it, but like they've got this like great year where like they, they kind of, they just get to be a hockey team, you know, like no one else is coming in the dressing room. You know, they don't have to look at me every day uh, through a Zoom call, but I just feel like they're a little bit more distant from everything, even the fans, like some of it's bad, but I think some of it might be good. They get to just be together and, and find what they are. And you know, I, I think they got a good thing going. You know, winning helps that. And, and six out of eight wins out of the start of the year is going to make anyone feel a little bit better. But, um, you know, the, 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 the test, I think, will be when it gets hard at some point. And I don't know when that'll be. Maybe it could be soon. If Freddie gets hurt now, it might get hard sooner than later. Please don't say that. What do they even <laughs> do? not do? even put that evil on this hockey team. What do they even do in that scenario? Uh I, it's actually a great question. Like Joe Wall is probably playing NHL games at some point if that happens. No, no, <laughs> please. Ian Scott, 
WHL goalie of the year. Let's go. Well, Bring him in there. Unless the rules change, any goalie that comes up from the U.S., whether it's trade, waivers, whatever, is 14 days off the ice before mm-hmm. he can skate again. So, you know, 14 days is, is eight games or seven to eight games in the schedule. But that's before they can practice. Like, anyway, you're going to be starting somebody in there random or your, or Michael Some Hutchinson. dude. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about injuries, right? It's like no secret now. Robertson out. Joe Thornton out. Um, one is Joe Thornton traveling with the team, and two, like the Leafs are looking for forwards. Like, what are they willing to part with? It kind of seems like maybe Travis Dermott could get them something of legitimate use, and then that kind of opens the the door for Letnin and Sandine to play a little bit more. But kind of, what are the Leafs looking for there, and and what are they uh, willing to part with? Because I don't think a a draft pick is necessarily going to get you anything of, of really good use right now. Right. And I think that's kind of the, the line they're walking. I mean, I, my, my feeling on this, Elliot Friedman reported it on Saturday, but they're, they're interested in other teams. Like, I think they're just kicking around. Like I, I don't feel like they feel like they have to go get that player, but they're, they're open to it. And part of it is this, this sort of strange situation on the blue line. It's no one's fault, by the way. I think we all applaud depth as a general philosophy, especially when we've seen, you know, the amount of injuries that, that tend to hit every team. But, you know, right now it's a bit of an awkward situation, but I don't think the Leafs want to surrender that depth. Like teams have called them on Dermot for sure, a couple that I know of, and I don't think they've been all too willing to part with him at this point, even though he's obviously in a reduced role so far this year. You know, he was scratched for the first time in, you know, since April 2019 this weekend or this earlier this week. And, you know, I just think they realize, hey, if like Jake Muzzin goes down or Morgan Riley, if one of the left shot guys goes down, I mean, you're, Travis Dermott quickly bumps up. You know what I mean? And so it, I think that I would be surprised to see early in the season them part with one of those three deep. I mean, look, I think Sandine, I actually think he could play a role now if given one, but it's clear that isn't in the cards unless there's an injury. But I, I don't think him or Dermott that they're just looking to – part with I think they 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 want the, they don't they want to use those guys if, if something happens so you know I don't that's a long way of answering to say I don't think that they're really going to get a forward of any impact like it would surprise me uh and I but I do think they, they're just looking to see if there's a right fit out there maybe it's a draft pick or something like that, that that makes it happen you know what they're hoping is some of these guys on the taxi squad some version of them can at least form a capable bottom six and you wrote a you wrote a great piece about Sandin and how he's trying to kind of keep up and keep going well, on, because, on the like, taxi even squad in development like stuff yeah. I'm studying he can't sit the whole year and uh, I think we know that Mikko Lettinen also can't because he won't resign here and I actually think he's a very good defenseman um but yeah like I don't know how you can just sit a I, what is he 21 20 22? yeah 20 okay, he's 20, 20. Oh my Jeez God. Louise. one of the most important development old, years for a defenseman man. so like, do they seem to have a plan there, or is he just basically not going to play at all this year? I think they have a plan, but they they're dealing with so many unknowns, right? Like, like in a perfect world, the American Hockey League starting in a, in a few days, and you send them there for some games. But you know, as we're talking right now, the the provincial government still hasn't signed off on the HL playing here. And you know, I'm not saying that won't happen, but like, no one can say for sure when the Marlies' next game is or first game. Um, I don't even think the Leafs know. And so it's a difficult spot. You know, Lennon is probably the wild card. Like if he's not in their plans, Rachel, I'd say to you, like if he's not going to play and they probably haven't decided that yet, he might be someone they trade just, just to, because look, they, they wooed him here on an opportunity. If the opportunity isn't there, you know, they'll probably work with them. But my guess is you could see him being moved. 
But I, I don't, I mean, the plan for Sandin, honestly, is this hope, I think. Like, with hindsight, I think that if everyone could do this again, they would let him play in the offseason in Sweden or, or somewhere in Europe. You know, that's probably where, if we want to call the mistake or what, what however you term it, I mean, it, that that's that's where the missed opportunity was because I, I sort of got why he didn't play in the bubble. They did play a game with Mark Rinchin ahead of him or a couple games. And there's maybe an argument Sandin should have been in that spot. Uh, yes. I would be very happy, like you said, with depth. And everyone in Toronto is like, we've been used to the Leafs having no depth and their D being an absolute abomination um, because it quite literally, it really has been. But yeah, I, I don't want to see Martin Marincin playing this year like at all. I think I would actually like to see them try either Dermot or Sandin or Lettinen on the right side and maybe give Bogosian a rest because I feel like he blocks five shots a night. I also don't think he needs to be an everyday kind of guy for them. Um, and so maybe like a rotating cast with those four and then you maybe you can develop Sandine on the right side. Um, They're going to have to play him though. Knows. I mean, this yeah, this like, is going to come to a head. Like it's not at a head yet, uh, but it this is a very difficult circumstance. And a lot of it is beyond the Leafs control. I mean, the main reason he hasn't played a game or he's played one single game since turning 20 is because there was a pandemic. Like that's that's the main reason. The Leafs have played 13 games in that time. He was scratched for 12 of them and he played one of them. But, you know, I think someone as important to the organization as he is, you know, they've got to find him some some way to get playing. And so if the Marlies don't start soon and, and you can at least get him back into game speed there and say, look, the minute we have an injury, you're, you're coming up, you're playing, you know, I think they're going to have to sit Bogosian or someone and just make room for him because I, I don't know what the point, this is unfair, but it's, again, I think it's almost getting there. And, and some of this, I have to be clear, is not the Leafs' fault per se, but, you know, I think they have to be cognizant of, you know, probably the, the most important or, you know, him and Robertson, maybe even put Amarov there. But like one of the most important young players in the whole organization, they got to they, they have to do what's right for him, too. I, the, the, like, I'm more worried about Letnan, to be honest. Like Sandin, yeah, he's 20. You know, he's coming up. He'll get his chance. He's looked pretty good. But he also like he had his warts last year. Like he, I've been very high in Sand. I've watched him since his first game in North America. Like right. he's great. But he's had. You know, he's he's definitely had he's been sheltered. He's had moments where he's looked his age and it's it's they're they're rare considering that he's been so far ahead of the trajectory that I think they expected him to be. But this is a player that, you know, he needs development. Letton, on the other hand, he was, you know, the consensus or he is, I guess, the consensus, not anymore because he's in the NHL, but the best defenseman outside of the NHL. There was, what, 30 other teams that were in on him. And then when they realized that the Leafs got him, there was like genuine anger around the league. People were saying like, they were like, what is going on? And he, he was the, you know, the bell of the ball. And now they're just stashing him in the press box. If I'm him, you know, he, he ended a, you know, he ended a, he was what top five in, in KHL scoring. And he just left the, the league to come to Toronto early to get situated for the, with the expectation, I guess, speculative on my part, but that, that he was going to get a regular role. And now he's just, you know, getting more looks in the press box or whatever, which I think we now have kind of realized is lingo for, Maybe we don't really want to play this guy that much right. because we've um, they have to get him in games, right? Or they have to at least trust him because even when they played him, when they scratched Dermot and played him last night against or not last night, two nights ago against Calgary, he didn't. He had what one shift in the third period? Yeah. Like it's they need. What is the sense on him? Because this seems like a, a way. This seems more of a, a I guess a more pertinent time bomb because this is a guy like at a certain point. There have been very few of these marquee European free agents that have actually hit for the Leafs. And as much as as good of a, 
you know, relationship that Kyle Dubas seems to have with Dan Milstein, considering that it's literally just like a, you know, a funnel of his clients into Toronto. When you look at it, like Zaitsev wasn't happy in Toronto. He went out of town. Soshnikov, that was a whole debacle. He went out. Lind, uh, like Lindholm, he Ojiganov. went out. Uh, Ojiganov stole his equipment and then went out. Like all that kind of stuff. It was. Oh, did you not hear about that, Rachel? I'm, I'm getting a weird. Uh, <laughs> that's. I'm sorry. He what now? He didn't steal his equipment. He just apparently took it back with him before he oh, could give it cares? back. Like it doesn't the matter. It's just is worth one one and a half billion dollars. It's just funny. Anyway. This seems to be a, like this seems to be the one where you go. You, we need to make this work. Is there? Do you sense that there's any any? And also, like Sheldon Keefe doesn't seem to like it. But do you sense that there's any sort of temperature or any any direction on how they're going to use him? Because, I mean, like at a certain point, Europeans are going to go. Yeah, you know, we're going to get an opportunity, but it's it's worked out for one guy so far. And even then, he got a catastrophic injury in the middle of his first season. Yeah, I mean, I think that it highlights sometimes the difficulty that exists between coaching staff and management because it's it's management that goes and gets the player. You know, I don't know what was promised in this case to him, but you know, it's fair to say if you're signing that guy, he's he's expecting a chance to play, and he really hasn't played much. I think it was roughly seven minutes his first game, roughly eight minutes his second game, and it was thirteen minutes this third game in the NHL. And after that third game, Sheldon Keefe was honest with the reporters. He said he's not comfortable with him at five on five. You know, he said basically they have no issues with him on the power play. They like using him in the role he's serving there, but they don't know what he can handle. And and you get in a close game. I mean, that's maybe been one thing that's hurt the Leafs in a sense. Every game has come down to the last minute. They, they've had all one goal wins or an empty neck, you know, to, to make it two. But it's it's been all tight games. And so when it gets down to the – that, that sort of make or break point, they just don't trust to put them on the ice. And, you know, it's a coach's job to accumulate all those points. And so it, it's, I'm not saying that they're fighting over this player, but it, it does highlight some of the tensions because then it's Kyle Dubas that has to, you know, take calls from his agent and maybe go, you know, soothe, smooth the waters a little bit. And it's like a Bermuda triangle of chaos. Um, and, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out. Honestly, I don't have a good feeling about this one. You know, Rachel seems more sure than I am that he's going to be a good defenseman. It's not that I, I, I haven't concluded he's not. I just haven't seen it, and I and I haven't seen much evidence here that he's going to get a chance. I mean, this could all change tomorrow tonight. Someone could get injured, and it all looks different. But when he's played, he's barely played. Well, that's true. Rachel, Rachel having strong opinions is definitely not a, a an unforeseen circumstance on this podcast. Now, before you before you Rachel's go, Rachel's going dark on Twitter. So. <laughs> oh yeah, are you, well, you it, catching some heat or what? All the time. It's yeah, it, it's a running segment. We have we literally have a segment on our show now where it's just what's Rachel mad about this week, and it's usually Twitter related. It's you know, it's just the way it is. It's it's the perils of our modern modern day. I just have to be the one who has to fist fight all of them. When we I see live in the person. age of outrage. That's what I say. So. We sure do. Also, Bermuda Triangle of Chaos is definitely going to be the, the title of the podcast. Yes. Nice. That's fantastic. Now, before before you know, we let you go, because you know, you've given us way more time than we expected. It's Leafs game day, even though it's a 10 p.m. start, which, please, let's try to put those to bed. Real quick before you go, your thoughts on Jake Muzzin puck flip gate? Because that seemed to oh get a lot God, of... Oh, my God, that was incredible. That was, I loved it. In my opinion, that's like you know the most, the most hilarious troll move ever, considering it also came from probably the most stoic guy on the team, I'd say. What, what was your take on that? I just can't believe anyone is actually mad about this. Like that, it's Bush League. Like that. Why do we? Why aren't we more mad about Matthew Kachuk spearing people or jumping on goaltenders? Because that's not even the first time that he's done that. Right. Like I get the 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 accusation that it's disrespectful, but it's like if there's yeah, of course he was he was polite as politely as you could disrespect someone. That's what it was. Like there was no danger of Matthew Kachuk getting hurt. 
you know, there was no like malicious intent. Like to me, that's just a shot. Like old school hockey, like what is he supposed to go out and punch him in the face seven times? Like, I'm not sure what the proper retribution is. Like, I feel like that, that was like, this is, that was the, it was a troll. It was perfect. It was amazing. Well, I liked it because it wasn't dangerous. Like, That's what I, I mean. see people talking like, oh, I don't like this. I go, would you rather a blindside head hit? Because that was the other option. Like, who, why are we so angry about this? But I think it's funny that none of the Calgary Flames came to Matthew Kachuk's defense. Because I think part of it is we like the stuff that you do in game that, that makes you a pest. We don't like the BS, right? Like, we, you didn't need to jump on Campbell you don't need to stick guys in the nuts like things like that we could do without all of that nonsense so I think like with Jake Muzzin I wonder what this does for the Calgary Toronto games for the rest of the year because they have seven more yes are we gonna see some fireworks well I don't think Jake would even think twice about dropping the gloves with Matthew I just I don't know I don't know if it's is there a pay per view for that that we can buy into like that. That sounds like it. That's the title fight right there. I'd love to see right. that. I don't have the tail of the tape. I think Jake's a bit bigger, so I don't know if that fight is going to happen. But I, I thought it was perfect, honestly, because I, I kind of hate when you have an incident like you had with with Campbell. We spend you know when I do radio hits and stuff, like we spend like two days like being like, what should the Leafs do about this? And and like I don't know that they should do anything, honestly. Like it sucks. But if they if they spent the whole second game chasing around the ice, taking penalties, and they lose, this Calgary has a decent power play. Like like, what does that accomplish? Like I think it was better to leave them alone, which they did the whole game, win the game, and at the end just do that. It's just kind of like it's like a little dunk at the end of the of a, a big game. Like I, I thought it was perfect response myself, but I know some people out there want to see like a line brawl or something instead. It's the hockey equivalent of, you know, you, you beat someone in Call of Duty and then you crouch over their dead body in the game. Like you've already you've already won. You're not hurting anyone in that case. But it's also a big it's a big performative gesture to know, like, I beat you. You're mine. And also like the lilt of the puck, like just the it barely. Like, it, 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 yeah, it was, like it barely even touched him, but it was perfect. That uh, would it, not have injured a five year old Timbits player. So no, like everyone is perfect. Just is perfect. Extremely relaxed. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, he, it's fair to say he shot it at him, but he didn't really shoot it like he flipped. He flipped it, it wasn't Alfredson yeah. at Niedermeyer. Like, we're not talking someone's about to get hurt. Like, I have cross-checked my brother on the pond with more force than whatever the heck that was. Like, I've I've actually wound up at my brother. I didn't actually hit him. But, like, people getting angry about this, I'm with you. Like, I think it was the best alternative and it kind of sends that message like, hey, don't think we forgot about this. Like, we remembered it. It's just we're not going to be stupid about it. But we're it. above it. Like, we're going to wait till we've beat you the next game and just remind you, like, hey, we're still here. You know, I, I think we should find this ups the bar for NHL players. Like, what ways can you sort of disrespect an opponent without hurting them? Like, that should be like a new game because so much of hockey's past is just like brutal violence, right? Like, that's the, that's the only way to atone for the sins. Like, I think... This, this could usher in a new peaceful era with Jake Muzzin. Remember when Lance Stevenson blew in LeBron James's ear during that one game, like way back? Okay, it's, well, it's COVID, exactly so like that. Maybe, and <laughs> well, Marchand yes. licking people, let's also not do that. Okay, I hated that too, actually. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. That's just disgusting. Like, I mean, all I'm saying is nothing really that great has happened in the world since that happened. So, I mean, you know, the if we're talking about the graph, it's gone down since since that moment. But 
anyway, CJ, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. It's Leafs game day. You gave us way more time than we asked for, and this has been such a great conversation. We hope to have you back sometime if you ever get a, you know, a chance to, to maybe move your schedule around because you're a busy, man. But thank you so much. Anytime. I'm sorry for all the rabbit holes I took you down. I feel like you like had a list of topics, and I'm just like, oh, maybe Sidney Crosby will play somewhere else one day. <laughs> this <laughs> it's is just like random meanderings with CJ. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good because it's like, well, Dangle does this all the time, except they end up talking about like history and I don't even know. But I love when we get down rabbit holes because like we, Mike and I get down rabbit holes. Like he brought up Bayern Munich at one point and I was like, here is a 15 minute tirade. But I knew nothing Vancouver. about it. I didn't so understand when we get a word. Sydney Crosby might not be a Pittsburgh Penguin. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And so then we just let you go down the rabbit hole and then I learn a whole lot. So just don't, just don't pod me here too badly. Don't, uh, don't, don't cut <laughs> that up in a way that I'm going to feel some heat. Yeah. We're going to manipulate it. So it's you just being like Sidney Crosby is going to leave. Like it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> well, I mean, the place I work does that enough to me. So why, why would you choose? Really <laughs> to be fair, I feel like. I, every time I hear a clip of you, you're getting radioed. And I'm like, this is like the nicest man. Why are we doing this to him? <sighs> that, it's actually my yeah. biggest pet peeve. But yeah, we oh, I bet. Yeah. Professionally, anyway. No. Perfect. Yeah. I, yeah, we're not going to rate it. If we go into like, like personal <laughs> division, I'd probably be. Oh yeah. But. You know, you know what? Another hour. Let's go. What's Chris? What does Chris not like? <laughs> Slow walkers. Uh, you know. People who cut him off on his run. Yeah. People who po- who podcast with him way past the amount of time that he said we would. It's, it's exactly like that. Well, Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Thanks for all the rabbit holes you, you presented us with. We can't wait to dive into them later. Awesome. And Rachel, I want the next stonk tips from you. <laughs> you got it. I will send you stonks. <laughs> <laughs>